Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and we are so glad that you are here with us today. Today, we are in part two of our series called All In. And during this series, we are looking at one of the greatest messages ever given, which was by Jesus. And it is called, do you remember what it's called together? The Sermon on the Mount, two people knew that, all right? So the rest of you, let's work on it. <laughs> but anyways, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, yeah. Um, and it is found in Matthew 5, uh, chapter 6 and chapter 7. It's an amazing message that many people have wrestled with throughout time. Now, this message uh, was given uh, while Jesus was around the Sea of Galilee. And so if you look at the map and you see the big sea up there, uh, he visited all these small little towns uh, that was made up of actually millions of people. And he would give this message uh, on a regular basis or parts of it, and people would listen to it. And the message pretty much addressed um, what it meant to be all in with God or to be a fully devoted, devoted uh, God follower. And so as people heard this message, uh, his words started to go viral. I mean, people started to tweet about his message. They started to Facebook Live everything that was going on uh, because they were surprised uh, with what Jesus was saying. He was saying that it was possible for everyone everyone to be connected with God and to enter into the kingdom of God. And that flew in the face of what the religious leaders were teaching during that day. They taught that instead um, you had to be like perfect religiously, and that's how you were acceptable uh, to God. And so as Jesus said these things, it challenged the people's hearts um, because, yes, everyone could be in, but yet he raised the bar in some ways. So it challenged their hearts, to, uh, and it challenges our hearts today as well because it takes us from being just interested in Jesus to being fully in or to be fully devoted and to be all in. And so many of you last week made a decision to be all in, and that was amazing. Many of you also decided that you're going to continue to investigate what Jesus said during the Sermon on the Mount. And so we're going to continue to unpack the Sermon on the Mount. If you missed last week, I want to highly encourage you to listen to the podcast, uh, podcast last week when Trent spoke, as that will just help to continue to flesh out this series for you. Now, as I said today, we're going to continue uh, in the Sermon on the Mount of what Jesus gave. And this next section, Jesus started to address the hearts of those who wanted to follow him. And back then, the religious leaders said, you know, to everyone, they said, all it has to do with following God, it comes down to whether you, a person can follow the rules or not. And so if you can follow the rules, then you'd be right with God or you'd be right with others. But yet we all know how hard it is to follow rules. I mean, it's almost impossible. We've got so many rules today that are impossible to follow or do we even really care about trying to follow them? Now, in contrast, Jesus said it's not about following the rule or the rules. It's about your heart and what comes out of your heart. And he said this, he said, for from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. And so in this next section of his message, 
Three out of the six topics that he speaks about in this sermon deals with something that we all can relate to, that we all struggle with. And it's this thing that can control all of us. And it's something that can harm us and those around us. And it has to do with anger. Now, recently, I was just reminded of how dangerous anger can be uh, in my own life, especially when I start to think about what someone might have done to me. And so uh, several weeks ago, I was out walking, and I was thinking about what someone had done to me, and I got into that moment where I start to replay in my mind um, what it was, their actions, and, and what they had done. And I'm not sure if you struggle with that, but I struggle with that. And um, as I started to think and walk, um, I just started to build this case in my mind. And I started to relive those moments. And the more I was walking, the more that anger just rose up within me. And here's how dangerous anger could be. This is what it did uh, in my moment on my walk. And so all of a sudden I'm walking and I am not paying attention to my surroundings at all. Okay, I am just oblivious to what's going on. And as I'm walking, all of a sudden, about 30 feet away from me, um, something jumps. Now, it jumped so much that out of the corner of my eye, like I caught it of what jumped and what it was. And here's what jumped. It was a four-foot alligator, okay, right in one of those swales. You're thinking, it's like only ankle water deep. How could a four-foot alligator jump into that water and be there? But it was. So I'm just glad it wasn't angry with me in that moment, you know? Um, But here's what happened. The reason that I didn't see it um, is because I was so consumed with my anger. Anger had a hold of me. Now, I'm glad that alligator didn't have a hold of me, um, but my anger had a hold on me. And isn't that what happens with anger? Doesn't anger have the ability to consume us and to control us on a regular basis, when we think about that person who has hurt us or wronged us, um, don't we feel like we've been robbed of something? Isn't there like some kind of outstanding debt that we feel we are owed because of what they've done to us? And we have thoughts or we start to, when we speak, we catch ourselves saying these types of things like, you took my childhood, or you took my best years in my teenage life, or you stole our marriage, or you took the family. You hurt me. You owe me. And when we think about that person, our blood pressure starts to go up. Isn't that when we become aware that maybe there's something more to our anger than just that person, that this thing has actual control over me, and it's not just that person, but actually something inside of me? So what do we do with that, you know? At the end of the day, it's really our anger that ends up hurting us and hurts so many around us. And so it has a hold, it has a grip on our lives. And so when Jesus gave this message, this next section that he started to speak about was about anger and what it does within us and how it comes from our hearts. And he wanted to address it because he did not want people to be controlled by it, and he didn't want us to be hurt or others to be hurt as well. So today we're going to see what Jesus said about anger, and we're going to do that actually through, I've invited one of my friends 
to come and uh, share his battle with anger today. And um, so would you welcome uh, my good friend Jeff Haynes to the stage uh, as he comes to the stage. Thank you for coming. Awesome. All right, now if you don't know who Jeff Haynes is, Jeff goes all the way back to about the beginning of Epic. Uh, nine and a half years ago, he started to attending just pretty much as the doors opened up. Uh, he was here with his family. He became a Christ follower. He got baptized. Uh, him and I were in the very first starting point group ever at Epic together. And uh, Jeff was also our prep and teardown coordinator. And then about two years ago, he moved to, his, uh, to Daytona with his family, uh, which we were sad. And he keeps on bugging me to start Epic Daytona. Um, would you like to see that happen? Yeah, come on. Come on. We I know get a guy there. who can help. <laughs> so, and I know a guy who can do prep and teardown. So, <laughs> but anyways, um, so Jeff and his family, they were amazing, and we miss them so much. So, Jeff, thanks for being here today, and thanks for being willing to share your story. Um, and so, uh, what people don't know is that you and I, we used to get together about once a month to go over prep and tear down stuff, also to go through some resources and everything. And, uh, and about down the road in a certain season, um, you just kind of got into this place where uh, things were just, you were just kind of getting short with people. And you started to identify some behaviors that you started to recognize. And so what did you start to see in yourself that alerted you that there was something more going on within you? Uh, you know, I was, uh, was kind of like uh, certain things would come up and I was starting to feel like I was under attack. Uh, there was, I was really just short-tempered with a lot of just day-to-day activities, which really wasn't my norm. Uh, um, it, it seemed to happen at certain times uh, throughout the year, uh, kind of like ups and downs. And, uh, and after a while, I kind of started guessing what it might be. And I uh, started talking to Tim about it and, and bringing it to his attention that I wasn't feeling a certain way uh, that, or like I felt I should feel. Yeah, so we started to identify that it was kind of this anger issue. And so we started to investigate where that came from. Uh, so tell us, where did that anger come from? And what happened to you specifically as you grew up? Because that's where we identified it. Um, it, it turned out that I was harboring a really, really... Uh, bitter angerness towards my dad. Uh, uh, growing up, uh, the only, from the earliest time I can remember, uh, my house was basically uh, 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 a, a constant argument. And uh, even in good times, uh, there was always an argument. There was always yelling. There was always screaming. There was always a lot of stuff. Um, it felt... Uh, my dad uh, grew up um, in West Virginia, he was born during the Depression, and uh, he was raised through Depression era and World War II. They used to collect coal from the tracks for heat, cut water from the river for uh, to melt down to drink in the wintertime. Uh, very, very uh, tough life, and uh, he was always a focused, uh, very legalistic, very my way, no highway. He didn't give you a highway option. It was just his, his way, and... Uh, it was, it was, he carried that into a, a family life and it was very hard to, uh, I, growing up, it was just very hard to relate with that. Um, and he was pretty 
at times brutal with you guys in terms of punishment yeah. and his words. My dad would be considered what would be considered a, uh, a wood, woodshed dad. And uh, for those of you who don't know what a woodshed is, that's usually where you were taken to uh, for discipline. Uh, but usually the woodshed was wherever my dad was standing, whatever he could put in his hand. Um, maybe some of you guys have been raised like that. Um, my dad didn't drink and didn't smoke, which is an amazing thing. Um, he always prov- provided for his family, but uh, he was very unrelational, uh, very, very hard, um, very accusatory in everything. Uh, didn't matter what it was. Almost anything that happened in your life, you couldn't go to him because he would turn it around and say, what did you do wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if you could sum up uh, for us what was taken from you from your dad, you know, what was it? So... Well, you know, by the time I got into my teens, I started associating, uh, you know, a lot of people in church, they teach you that God is like your father. And I started associating God being like my dad and didn't want anything to do with it. Um, So I was looking for any way to get out of this relationship uh, with my father. Um, I loved him dearly, but I couldn't stand being around him. And so over the years... You know, he, would, he was still in my life, but he would be, um, every, time, every time he was around, it would just get worse and worse and worse. Uh, it, would just, it would go on for, for a long time, up until just a few years ago. Uh, and part of that debt that we talked a lot about was basically just, you wish you had that regular father-son yeah, yeah. relationship. You know, I mean, I mean a, lot of, a lot of people that I know, you know, and a lot of people that I met as an adult, I didn't understand how they could be so cool with their kids and so cool with their neighbors or even so cool with their ex-wives or husbands and stuff like that. It just, uh, it was a relational thing, you know. There was no, there was no bond that I, I, I wanted, but I couldn't figure out how to, how to cross that line and get to. So I'm sure you're not the only person. I'm sure a lot of people can identify with part of just what you've said already in your story and maybe even all of what you've said. Um, Because, you know, when anger gets a grip on our lives, there's a person, there's a real debt that happens. And Jesus spoke about this, you know, as I said in the Sermon on the Mount, he took this subject kind of head on with anger and what it can do in our lives. And uh, just to read some of the things that he said during that uh, sermon, he said in Matthew 5, 21, uh, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. And so in essence, what Jesus is saying is he's putting murder and anger on the same footing because of what anger and bitterness can do. And we know if we think long enough about it, we've all had anger and bitterness kind of explode. And we're like, oh my goodness, how did I do that? How could I have ever done that? And Jesus's day, uh, what eventually happened was the religious leaders, the religious leaders got so upset with Jesus that they eventually had him murdered. And even though they um, didn't do the act themselves, they considered that they were okay because they didn't do the act themselves. But yet in God's eyes, he said, hey, it was your heart, it was what came out of it uh, that I consider the same thing, the same deal. And so, you know, as we started to study that together, it was coming into light of just how much anger can control us. And so, Jeff, uh, how bad did it get for you in your attitude with your dad? What was that reaction or how did it kind of get to that boiling point with him? 
my dad lives in West Virginia and he has a, a small house down here in Daytona and he would come down like twice a year. And I noticed that when he was down like early in the winter or late in the, you know, in the early fall, I, I, I was on edge and that's when my issues started like spilling out. You know, the family was like, all right, we're going to be around him. His dad's around. We can't, t- we can't say certain things, you know, sometimes, you know, I mean, at church and stuff, you would be, you know, short with somebody and you didn't mean to. And uh, it was just, it kind of just built itself to a crescendo over the years of when uh, my father-in-law, my wife's dad uh, passed away. He had lived with us for many years. My uh, family had grown up with him. My girls knew him their whole life. And uh, I didn't really, I never had anybody that close pass away. And uh, he was, he went to church here and everything like that. It was a, he was a good guy. And, uh, but I needed, I needed something. I didn't, I didn't know who to turn to, how to deal with uh, this loss. Um, you know, I lost a friend. So I had asked my dad, I said, Dad, I really need you to come to the funeral. You know, and, and I knew this was like, you know, a shot in the dark. But I just, I, I thought, well, yeah, isn't that what a parent does, you know, for their kid? And I said, I really need you to be there. You know, can you just, you know, sit in the back or whatever? It's not his thing. And he said, no. And I was like, but why? He goes, I don't really have any reasons. I'm just not coming. And this was the night before Larry's funeral. And uh, we got into a big, huge, I mean, a big fight on the phone. I had a house full of people. They heard everything. And I basically told him, I said, why don't you go back to West Virginia and don't ever come back. I'm done. I I can't do this anymore. So that was the crescendo. I wanted him out of my life. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I mean, it was a big moment. It was bad. In the time of that. A critical moment with Larry, uh, who's passing away in the funeral. Um, so beyond just your relationship with your dad, how did your anger start to impact those closest to you? Oh, yeah. Well, that's... Because you've got funny. a wife, you've got three daughters. Three daughters, yeah. And, you know, it was funny that I was kind of like repeating what I was just... Whatever was spilling out onto me was spilling out onto them. And uh, it's funny that they were learning at a young age to not talk about my dad, their grandfather. Don't talk about him because this is going to happen if you do, which is kind of what it was like dealing with him if you mentioned certain things. And, and I just, I didn't, know how to contr- I didn't know how to stop any of this stuff. Um, four or five, five, four years, five years into being here at Epic and uh, trying to take care of things and talk to people about uh, Christ and knowing that all this stuff's inside of me and I don't know how to get rid of it. Yeah, so at some point we started talking about that, and I said, hey, let's go through a study on anger. And uh, that study was pretty tough because it kind of called me out, called you out. I mean, uh, and so one of the questions that it posed, and a very tough question, it was, how long are you going to allow the people who have hurt you, whether they are alive or dead, to control your life? Another year, another chapter, how long? So it was pretty poignant. It was trying to make a point. Because basically the study was saying, um, you know, we can't undo what has been done to us, but we can control how it impacts our future. And so, Jeff, when did you kind of have your aha moment uh, as we were going through that study that this is controlling my present, but also my future? And how did you come to the conclusion that you didn't want anger to control you any longer? Um, the biggest part of it was is, was the not being able to know what the next step was. I didn't know how to put it into place or how to go forward. And uh, going through the study with you, 
there was a part in there where uh, Andy Stanley was talking about his uh, father, Charles Stanley, had the same issue. He had, a, he had a huge unforgiveness issue. And they had talked about a bunch of different ways in the book of how different people dealt with uh, their unforgiveness in a physical way. And he had an unforgiveness issue with his stepdad, so, but his stepdad had passed. So what he had done was he uh, sat an empty chair across from him, and then he forgave him for everything in his life. And so you kind of did the same thing. You, you, yeah. you looked at what's next for me. Yeah. And you made a forgiveness list. So walk I us through list. what you did. Yeah. Um, I decided that uh, my father has always been a very, very hard person to talk to. And uh, I, I, he, again, I, he's not relational. And uh, he doesn't reason very well. So to, to tell him that I was doing this for a betterment, he, he would have taken it as well, you're accusing me of, of these things. And so I felt the best thing to do was is to write everything down on, uh, on paper. And uh, it took me a couple hours uh, to write down everything that I could think of um, all the way back to my earliest memories. And then, you know, I sat there for a few minutes looking at these couple pages. And then uh, I prayed off and forgave him every single line on there. So you went line by line saying stuff like, God, I forgive him for doing this. God, I no longer hold this against him. And you went down for a couple hours, I remember, um, forgiving your dad for each of those offenses because, like you said, he wasn't in a place to have a spiritual conversation at that moment. But there was so much stuff in you that you needed to do something. And tell us what happened after you made that list and after you walked through step-by-step step forgiving them of each of those offenses? Um, you know, uh, one of the things, I, and this is a kind of a admission, uh, uh, I was always kind of jealous when I got to hear people's stories here at church. There's some wonderful, great stories, these great, awesome God moments, and I was always like, yeah, man, I wish, you know, I mean, I, I feel good, but I just kind of wish I had this, this God moment. And uh, when I got done... I couldn't feel it inside me anymore. Um, everything that, was, that I had lodged and, and stuffed down in there was gone. And I felt this big, huge love from my dad that I don't ever remember having as soon as I got done. So, so you experienced a freedom, freedom that only God could do yeah. in that moment. Yeah. But you had to take that step. Yes. Now, um, after you took that step... Um, and you forgave your dad, something happened to him. Could you tell us um, what you were able to do because of all of a sudden he had a crisis? Um, well, uh, it's funny, my, my dad, after this had happened, and my dad came down uh, for his yearly visit. It was in the, uh, in the winter. When he came to the door, after I already told him, don't ever come back again, he didn't know any of this had happened. He came to the door, knocked on the door, opened the door, and I just went out to hug him and uh, freaked him out, thought he was going to hit me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we had a good visit, went down. Uh, I was just happy to see him, you know. Nothing on his end had changed at all, but I was happy to see him. I was happy to uh, talk to him, and I was happy to come down to his house in Daytona and visit with him. And after their, vis- you know, after their time here, a couple months was over, and they go back up 
to West Virginia, he called me up and said, your stepmom passed away. Uh, this was in 2016. And uh, he was crying. And he said, do you think you might come to the funeral? And I said, yes, absolutely. Can I bring my family? Can we stay with you? Whatever you need, Dad. I'll do that for you. So we went up there and we stayed with him. And I told my girls to just be around him. They didn't understand why. They didn't understand why they why why the change of heart. And uh, I said it's okay. Just you know, be around him, give him a hug, and. We buried his wife, and uh, I remember just walking him back from the grave to the car, him sobbing, me carrying him, and I was just happy for him that he had been blessed with a good wife and that I was able to help him. I was just happy for him. I mean, sad, but happy, you know? So, yeah. Wow. That's powerful. So, since that time, could you describe for us in a nutshell now almost three years, four years removed from that. What's your relationship been like since you've forgiven them? Well, you know, uh, it's, it's good. It's a really, actually, it's a pretty good relationship, which is weird. Um, we never not saw each other, but I never wanted to see him. Now I miss him when he's not around. Um, he was scared, and I start, you know, when his wife passed away, and I started calling him just to check up on him every week, just let him talk. Excuse me, my nose is wrong. Um, and just trying to, and just trying to, you know, be there for him. I didn't even know how to do that, and uh, kind of learning a little bit about him and what makes him tick and stuff like that. And uh, throughout the year in 2016, he called us in the fall, and uh, he goes just out of the blue. He goes, "Hey, I know you guys are struggling really hard financially up in Palm Coast." And uh, he goes, I know your rent's high. He goes, they're going to raise your rent again and stuff like that. I said, yeah. And he goes, I got this house you can have. And I was like, come on. And I was like, okay, all right. I, I didn't know how to take it at first. So I told Dawn, and then I said, we need to talk to Trent, a couple other people, pray about this and see if this is the right thing. And uh, everybody felt good about it, so we took the gift, and uh, we moved. And uh, that was in uh, almost two years ago. So we st- we talk every week. I call him every week, um, whether he wants to or not. He he could say the same thing every week. He's been saying the same thing every week for almost a year now. <laughs> he forgets. He's almost eighty four. He'll be eighty four on the first. And uh, you know he's a tough old bird. You know he's a, he he's a, he's a he's one of the toughest people I ever met. He's like shaking hands with bark. I mean he's so gnarled up. But uh, and nothing's changed about him. But how I see him has changed tremendously. Man, that's awesome. So we stumbled upon this one verse, uh, Ephesians four thirty two. Paul wrote this. He said, "Instead, be kind to each other, tender hearted." forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So how did those words help you to forgive? One of the things that one of the first things you learn but maybe you don't understand in church is uh, 
God's grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness are new every day. And sometimes it doesn't sink in on how, how that works. And uh, you can be in church your whole life and maybe just be like, you know, gloss over those kinds of things. But in the end, what it means is if you, you come to him with these things, he's bestowing them on you at no cost. There's nothing you can do for this. But what you have to do is you have to do this for someone else, whether they can pay for it or not. You can't pay for what God's giving you in any way, shape, or form. There's nothing. And in turn, do this for someone else. If I, if, if I can forgive you, why can't you forgive somebody? Give, for, forgive that trespass right now. If it's a tough trespass, like I went through, and there's worse ones out there than that, bring it to somebody's attention. Talk to somebody that you know. Um, get, get it started and uh, roll with it. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a great picture of what God has done for us and what he says, hey, do this unto others because I've done this for you. And so, <laughs> thanks. Is this double puffs with the lotion? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, we don't have those. We'll, we'll work on that. So. Roll out, church. <laughs> so, um, Jeff, there is a lot with anger and being controlled by it. And if you were to have a conversation with a person who's struggling with anger and forgiveness, and you could sum up what you would want to encourage them in choosing to forgive, what would you say to them? I'd say uh, holding on to this kind of stuff is, uh, you know, most people, it's, it's yours. You, you stuff it down into the dark place of your heart. And that's where you, you feed it. You feed this. You take care of it there. And it just, what it does is it grows over time and it grows into bitterness. It makes you very, very bitter. I was very bitter. And there's times that you can't even handle the bitterness. It makes you go into rage. It's, it, it stays with you forever unless you bring it out into the light. You need to bring it out to somebody and talk to somebody that you trust. There, everybody here knows somebody that they can trust to not steer them in the wrong direction. It's, it's a, a, Tim, it, I, I would tell him anything. And, uh, you know, sometimes you know your sickness. You know what, is, what it is, who it is, what the thing is. Bring it out. Just finally decide because that's what God wants you to do anyways. He wants you to bring it out. Those are some great words. Um, on dealing with anger. Hey, would you help me to thank Jeff for coming today and sharing his story? So, Jeff, thanks, thanks for being here, man. So here's how we're going to wrap up today, all right? Jeff and I, we know that there are a lot of us who are hurting from something that has just been controlling our lives, and it's been long enough. You know, it's been long enough. And today it's time to do something. It's time to take action and to no longer allow that anger or that person to control our future. Um, because as Jesus talked, he said, you know what? The next step is to go do something about it. And just as you've been forgiven of much, it's time to forgive as well. And when we uh, look at being all in and what that means is that forgiveness is always something that we practice on a regular basis.
Because when we forgive on a regular basis, it's the only thing that allows our hearts to be free, to be free from the control of anger or the control of others, because we can't go and do anything about what's been done to us, but we can do something today so it does not control our futures. And so we're going to get real practical today. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to close in prayer, and the band is going to come out and play a song that we're going to uh, put this to practice, okay? And so this is what I mean by putting this to practice. Just like Jeff shared that forgiveness list, we're going to start our forgiveness list today. So if you would, grab your spiritual growth challenge. And on the back of it... Um, I've done this exercise before a long time ago. Jeff uh, went through this as well. And maybe you're just at the point where it's like, well, what's the next thing? You know, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, go, leave your sacrifice at the altar and go and be reconciled and do it immediately. And so um, today, the first step is you've got to simply identify who you are angry with. Who's that person that all of a sudden pops into your mind that you don't want to speak to, that you don't want to see, or maybe if you do have a conversation, it's only in your mind and that's it, and you've just written them off. When you hear something bad happens to them, you kind of actually find yourself like saying, good, you know, who is it that you're angry with? And then the second thing is that you've got to identify um, what is the debt that's owed to you? It, you've really got to hunker down to that. For Jeff, it was a, just, just wanted a relationship with my dad. So what was taken from you? What, if they could owe something back to you, what would it be? Would it be an apology? Would it be time? Would it be money? Would it be a marriage? Would it be a, a relationship? What is it? You've got to identify that debt. And then third, you've got to cancel that debt. You've got to come up with your list just like Jeff did. And so today, I want you to come up with that list. I want you today, during the, as they play the music, to come up with at least three things. Three things that they did specifically to you to get the list started. Now, you may need to go home later on this afternoon and write out 100 things, maybe even 200 things. And all I want to encourage you to do is don't put it off. Don't give that person, don't give anger another minute that controls your future because that's what it's doing. That person is not thinking about you. You're thinking about them and you're allowing them to control you. Don't do it. Instead, find forgiveness. Let God heal your heart. And so that's the step that I want you to take during this song. I want you to identify who you're angry with. I want you to uh, identify what they owe you and then put three things down that are very specific that you can pray through. I put a prayer there to start to pray to God and go line by line and say, I forgive them for doing this to me. They no longer owe me this. I forgive them. And go through those three things. Now, some of you, you may not be ready to do that. Some of you are like, that, Tim, that is too much right now. I'm just taking this in. Well, today, above that section, write down some of the things that God has forgiven you of. When we think about how much he has forgiven us, then it is so much easier to get to the point of forgiving others 
That's why he tells us to sing about what he did and his great love for us and how he died for us and forgave us of our sins. It's the only way. It's God's way. That's how we're all in. And for some of you, maybe you're in a good spot. And so just write down those things that you've been forgiven of and just praise God. God, thank you so much as a great reminder of how much you forgave me. And then finally, maybe there's someone here today that you've just been interested in Jesus. And you identify that your heart is full of anger. And the only way to get past that is to get a new heart. And when you put your faith in Jesus, he will give you a new life and a new heart when you ask him to forgive you of your sins and to become your savior as well. That's the key. And so this is what we're going to do. Wouldn't it be amazing if today, amongst almost 700 people that we chose to start to forgive as we've been forgiven. What that would do in all of our relationships. How freeing would that be? And how much could God use your story, just like he has used Jeff's story today, to help others so that we are no longer harmed by the anger and people that will control our lives if we don't let go and choose to forgive. And so let me close us in prayer. And then during that song, you just start your forgiveness list. You start to write down who it is that you're angry with, what is the debt that they owe you, and then forgive them of those three things and finish that list later on today. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for what you have done and how good you are. God, thank you that you came so long ago. Jesus, that you came and that you died on the cross to forgive us of our sins so that we could have a new life, a new heart. And so today, God, there's somebody who wants to be all in. And they've been watching, they've been listening, and they know they have a lot of anger and bitterness and could never imagine getting to that place. And that's because it's not about following the rules. It's about receiving forgiveness. And so if you're in that spot, just pray this to him. Jesus, thank you for coming and dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for forgiving them and coming back to life to show me that you have the power to forgive sins. Today, would you be my savior? Would you give me a new life, a new heart? Thank you for doing that. And so, Father, as people begin to work on this forgiveness list during this song, God, would you bring to light what it is that they need to do to be all in? May we be people that forgive on a regular basis because we want you to shine in this world where there are so many debts and the only way to resolve those debts is through forgiveness. And so Father, may we sing this song to you after we do that and praise you for what you did to set an example for us. In Jesus' name, amen.